Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we are going to be diving into AD and e-content and PIMS. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Caroline Ernst, VP of e-commerce solutions, and Brendan Cameron from AmericanEagle.com. Caroline, Brendan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So Caroline, you have had more than two decades of e-commerce and digital marketing experience as a strategic big picture. I want to make sure I use the air quotes here and for all of our listeners to hear. Thinker with strong general management, team building, and change management qualifications. You've led teams with millions in annual revenues during periods of explosive growth, as well as through periods of consolidation. You have a great track record of pioneering and launching innovative, integrated marketing and advertising programs that provided brands with a competitive advantage, produced additional revenue streams, and delivered measurable return on investment. I need your biography writer for myself. That was incredible. Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you here. Uh, and I want to let Brendan introduce himself from the AmericanEagle.com team. Yeah, my name is Brendan Cameron. I'm the Strategic Accounts Director here at American Eagle, working very closely with Caroline and her team. Uh, I've been with American Eagle for over 10 years now and uh, actually helmed a lot of the projects that AD and American Eagle worked with. So the people like Kirby Risk, State Electric, SMC Electric, French Girlman, and I've been the main contact with Caroline and her team, making sure that you know our focuses and our goals stay aligned you know, to provide the best for our uh, client and membership base. Wonderful. Thanks, Brendan. And Caroline, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of uh, insight into just who AD is and, and what you do? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. So AD, Affiliated Distributors, is a member-owned organization. And we're a member-owned organization of independent distributors. Typically, these are growth-oriented companies um, that work across nine different industries from electrical, industrial, PBF, plumbing, HVAC, um, BPT, which is bearings, power, and transmission. And we are across North America, so in the Canadian, U.S., and Mexican markets. And so what AD does is bring together best-of-class suppliers with our independent distributors. And that's what AD does. And I manage the e-commerce group, which is focused on helping AD members leverage the scale of the buying group AD in order to collectively advance their e-commerce journey. Wonderful. So Brendan, how have we taken some of the projects you mentioned? Uh, there's a lot of electrical ones there. But just kind of give an overview of just how we've kind of worked together with Caroline and the team from AD and, and our clients here at AmericanEagle.com to really bring this to light and how it is involved in the project process overall. Yeah, I think the biggest thing where we work very, very hard toward is making sure that they're prepared for what is needed when going into that online presence. Everything in the distribution and a lot of these reseller markets deal with gut calls. You know, it's a salesperson approving a quote or them knowing the type of product that's needed for a certain situation. And when you go into e-commerce, you don't have that type of ability. So where we try to help is making sure that all of that information gets to the customer one way or another through the UX and the user interface, through the data and information, 
and of course through the process, you know, making sure that we can provide as much reassurance as possible because not only the front end of the the buying process, but also the back end, you know, fulfillment, shipment dates, invoicing, returns, all of these things now have to have that very easy to use piece. And in this market, we're dealing with people that are used to emailing in orders, faxing in orders. It happens to this day. So the easier that process is that we're able to facilitate, you know, the more buy-in we get and the more success that we're providing to those customers. I really liked what you said because one of the terms I heard from one of our members just yesterday, we were talking about um, executive buy-in. And he said, we're really about enabling customer transitions. So I like what you said, where you start with your customer. You don't want to build something and it not meet their needs. Here at AD, we have folks that sell you know, construction. We have folks that are selling to the end consumer. We have folks that are selling government. There are lots of different end constituents. So you really need to understand who your buyer is and how you can serve their needs, but also help by enabling them, transitioning them to digital. Exactly. And it, it's one of those pieces to where it also helps with your overhead. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not having to hire that extra salesperson in your busy season, your extra CSR. You know, you're becoming more efficient. It's, it's a great thing when you see that traction, you know, happen. As we look at that traction to pick up on that word here, and, and, and let's just talk about the value of content within the, the digital experience and the traction that's needed to be gained there. Really, there's kind of two aspects to this, right? There's building out a content strategy, but there's two pieces to a content strategy. There's the product side and the marketing side of content. So when we really look to unpack this, right, how do we focus and get clients to understand the separation of the two? Obviously, there's a a set separation already just in their names themselves, product content, marketing content. But I feel a lot of times in in, in the past and working with clients myself, we struggled where the product content didn't get the level of attention that the marketing content did. And I think that really stems from the aspect of feeling that marketing content is really what sells. Product content's going to be fed through no matter what. But I think there's really been a big shift. And we talk about that digital transformation aspect and the value of content now. We're seeing the focus come back to the product side, which then supports the marketing side. So can we unpack that a little bit? And Caroline, maybe give your perspective on focusing on the separation of the two and building out your content strategy. Sure. Well, I'll first talk about how they're aligned, right? Because they both help build your brand and should be aligned with your brand, not to say that it's self-promotion. And they both need to deliver value to your customer. But to your point, you're doing it in two different ways. So one is having product content that goes beyond just your standard ERP content which can be very messy. Oftentimes it's been built over decades by different people and essentially without any data governance structure. And so when you're first looking to build your brand online, your customers are going to be interacting and hoping to find product, right? And so ensuring that, and in a minute I'll talk about advanced content, but ensuring that that foundational content right? It's more than just what's in your ERP. It helps that end buyer buy the product. 
is robust. So let me build on that. Let me unpack that, to use your words, Tim, uh, a little bit more because you're trying to help the end buyer do their job, right? You want them to find the product they're looking for and have a good customer experience. So you want strong on-site search capabilities. And you want to make sure that your product content is tuned to help deliver that great experience. Because as they're interacting with your brand online, they need to find what they're looking for at a very you know, basic level. And so having product information that is robust is going to be really important. So they're going to want to be able to find that product in repeatable ways. So let me build on that. You want to find a product and add it to your shopping cart. When you are a returning customer and you go back into your list of what you previously purchased, you want that product to also show up and for you to understand all those different products that appear. And it also needs to be consistent with what's on your invoice. So there's so many different areas where consistency of a robust product information and description are really important to the buying process. And I think it's also, and to kind of speak to Caroline's organization, it, it's one of those things that a lot of people at the end of it, the, the administrators don't understand that. The market you're in is hundreds of thousands of products. And because there hasn't been that real transition to an online marketplace yet, you don't have a lot of funding, you don't have a lot of budget to to get people to actually do that work. And imagine with a retail environment, with any store you may have, even a department store like Kohl's or Target, you know, maybe so many t-shirts, so many jeans, so many toys and all that. One person can manage the hundred to maybe up to a thousand products, but one person is not going to be able to manage libraries that we've dealt with in the millions. Mm -hmm. And to have consistent data, to have legible data, to have information that's understandable to an end user, that's where, you know, AD comes across and is able to provide that. And it really helps accelerate because I'll tell you from experience, sites not launching on time. Sometimes it has to do with some functionality being missing, but I'll tell you a lot of the times it's because they don't have the people to finish that product data to get all of that information up and ready to go. So it, it's one of those pieces that you have a couple dozen marketing pages, yeah. millions of product pages. Yeah. And so, so with that, how do we look at the importance of this, right, to distributors? And we look at the sheer aspect of the, the product content being challenging, to your point, Brendan, but also understanding where the source of truth is. Because I think this is the other thing and challenge that we've seen as well is there's multiple systems involved that a lot of these organizations and product data can either be splintered across multiple systems. It can start in one and get enhanced or enriched as you move through them. And where does this really come into play about the importance to the distributors to get this right? Not only on the people who manage and the, you know, the value that it can bring in the end delivery, but that source of truth is so critical in this process. How, how do they find that? That's a great question, Tim. When you're thinking about your source of truth, many distributors have disparate sources of content. So you may have content that's coming from AD. You might have your own custom products. 
There needs to be one area that is your source of truth so that when you're syndicating content and the end user is looking at the content, they're getting confidence in your brand, right? Again, it's about that consistent experience. That consistent experience comes from one source of truth. For most AD members, it's the AD member PIM. So it's having a repository of data that has been categorized and normalized for that end user experience. Now, oftentimes you might say, well, there's over 200 members using the same data. And so what we provide is a really good foundation that is highly customizable, whether it's customized at the product level, at the category level, you're able to make that your own. But think about if you are just starting out, and to your point, Brendan, when you talk about product data, sometimes being the Achilles heel of a launch, if you're able to plug into over 6 million SKUs that have already been normalized across thousands of suppliers, that's a huge benefit for going to market faster. And what's just as important is it's not a one-time launch. It's product data is getting constantly updated. And you have to have relationships with all of those suppliers that you work with for the product data specifically to make sure that you're getting the timely new products, having them optimized within a data governance strategy and live for end customers to buy. So having that single source of truth that is reliable is incredibly important. And for the, the technical people out there, one file format too. Mm. You start dealing with your dozens and dozens of members. Some have it in text, some have it in Excel, some have it in some kind of object. And you suddenly now have to parse all of that different information with different scripts and imports while having that done, it accelerates that development process as well, which is, again, key, you know, trying to be as efficient as possible. So with all this, we talk about product data, we talk about the different systems that are involved. A system that we've seen a lot of growth in lately is the PIM, a Product Information Manager. And, and within the PIM, that's where you can have product data enriched when it comes in and is fed in through API or flat file imports, et cetera. And it's also how different uh, organizations can have multiple feeds come in and be provided by multiple manufacturers. And, and you can grab from their data set and then you can enhance it as the distributor as you move forward with how you choose to market that, that product. So with the PIM, how does this come into play with AD and the e-content solution and, and just the way that you work on content strategies where product information management systems, PIMs, may come into play? We ingest supplier content from many different sources. Our suppliers could range from someone who's giving the data to us in a flat file all the way through a direct API PIM to PIM. We ingest the data and we're gonna compare the new data to our master catalog. We're gonna understand what's new and what's been enhanced. And then if, if it's new, it will flow into a queue and get enhanced according to the data governance standards. And as that data then flows into the AD member PIM, it's validated. And ultimately, 
each AD member is able to match their product catalog with our master catalog and have their own e-content repository, their own collection of data that then can be syndicated to their e-commerce platform or their ERP, wherever they designate. So it really is that many, many suppliers giving us data in all different formats. It goes into one singular product information management system. And then we syndicate it to many um, independent distributors. So it's really that many to one to many that provides a lot of scale for both the suppliers as well as the independent distributors. And an example that would be your AD connector with Akinio, right, from the PIM perspective and, and what you have that's transferring information from AD through the connector into the organization's ERP system of whatever choice that may be or their other end delivery out points, correct? So our, the AD member PIM is built on Enterworks and we work with lots of different other PIM systems in the market. When you have as many distributors as we work with, our system has to be flexible in order to ingest content in lots of different ways and then be able to syndicate it in lots of different ways. So we've learned over time that we need to be almost rigid in our data governance and flexible in our data ingestion and syndication. Wonderful. I love flexibility because to your point, there are so many different systems out there, but at the same point, I love that you use the word rigid with regards to the data structure and data governance, because that is where a lot of the problems lie when you start to go in and try and do the cleanup with a, a client. And Brennan, I don't know if you want to you know, talk a bit more about any of that as well. It, yeah, it's absolutely, because when you're dealing with a lot of these pieces, the reason there's such a, a large amount of SKUs is you're dealing with very homogenous products per category but those products have variants to them. So if somebody, again, going into the eyes of a customer, they're searching for length of conduit or a wire or a junction box or a breaker, all of those are one type of product that then have multitudes of variants across them. And if you get one that doesn't fit your need, it's not like you could make it fit or it's not like, a shirt that's a little small and you're like, oh, I'll just lose a little bit of weight and this shirt will be perfect. It, It's completely incompatible. Mm -hmm. You get the wrong voltage for a breaker or you get the wrong diameter for a piece of conduit. Like you have to return it. And that again goes to the overhead. You know, yeah. it, it's more work for your customer service team, more work for your fulfillment team, more work for your sales team. And a delay, probably most importantly, a delay for their customer. So consistent data that you're able to get fully displayed and probably most important for the UX portion, be able to find and search within and being able to filter easily. And to have all of that data consistent is probably the most important part. Mm -hmm. Consistency is key. And I think that's the biggest thing with especially the large data sets that we're talking about here. You need that consistency and your end customers desire the consistency as well. They don't want to be trying to find information about a product and getting different information depending on the source that they go to. And you might have multiple sources as an organization that they can go into, such as their own portal if they log in versus if they log out. And sometimes it's good to show more data when they are logged in, right? If you have 
uh, pricing agreements and, and other aspects of how they prefer to see data. But then all of this comes into play, and I, I kind of want to circle it back to a little bit more of a user experience point of talking about the aspect of how search comes into play. And again, why the importance of both data structure and quality of your data in the, the product information side, especially, serves that search experience. Because when we start looking at distributors, we start looking, uh, and I'm just gonna keep going back to the electrical uh, example, since we listed so many different electrical distributors <laughs> that we've uh, implemented this with. But there's a lot of different ways that you can search. And what are some ways that enriching this information and ensuring that it is accurate and consistent benefit that experience? My favorite example I always give is is an actual product finder working with a number of the clients and actually I'll, I'll step away from electrical distribution just to <laughs> uh, we work with a couple HVACR companies mm -hmm. and one of them that we did was was a product finder because you're dealing with applications of imagine you have a contractor on the roof and he's working on a, a 70 year old system and he pulls the motor that needs to be replaced. That motor hasn't been manufactured in 50 years. So you need that compatible replacement. So you would be able to gather information like what's the wattage, what's the voltage, what's the size of the motor, you know, all of these things, brushless or brushed. And if you feed that into a configurator and you put in, you'll get the matching products that are, that are relevant, that match that product you're trying to replace. And it's one of those things without consistent data, without accurate data, you don't get to go down one of those workflows for mm -hmm. your customer. So now, again, you're relying on them to do the due diligence. You know, go to the product detail page on 20 different products that are exactly the same except for one or two different specs. And they'll have to make a judgment call based on what they see. And they have a fairly high likelihood to make a mistake. So whatever you can do to automate that process is going to be better for the end. But in order to do some of those user experiences, you need to have the data ready to go. So Brandon, what I really love about what you just said was it speaks to the expertise of the distributor, right? It's using data. It's helping the end customer find what they need to do their job, but it is reflecting on a positive brand experience, showing that this distributor, this HVAC distributor has the expertise to be able to meet the need. They're going to help fill the gap. And so, you know, I think that's an, a great example of where products and in some ways content marketing mesh. Because if you think about the experience, a end buyer can come to a page walking them through how to use the configurator. Right. And that's going to help them do their job. And then they actually get into the mechanics of it. And the overall experience is that they end up buying a product. Hopefully quickly, knowing it's in stock and they're able to continue to work on their job. And you've just made their life easier. And that positive experience is going to continue with hopefully brand loyalty to come back. You also on the independent distributor side you've given the buyer confidence in your brand and you've also decreased a call to your inside salesperson, potentially taking up time from them, asking them to walk through what the configurator could actually yield as the same result. And I'll go one step further to, to talk toward being more than just a store. 
something that probably everyone listening and everyone here in the room has probably done. You lose like the manual to your drill or something. And I'm DeWalt. I'm sorry to all of my clients that are Milwaukee distributors. Yellow and black too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know how many times I've ended up finding the manual on Home Depot's website and not on DeWalt's website. So now I have turned not only HomeDepot.com into my store of choice, but it's now my resource. Mm -hmm. So my traffic there goes up. And that just naturally means that I'm buying more stuff, no matter how much my wife hates it, mm-hmm. through them as well. So to become that de facto source of truth to your customers by having the documentation, having the images, having videos, you become that source of not only where we're getting the products, but where we're getting the information for the products. And that's just going to make that customer relationship that much more. You know, that turns into a value proposition. It's no longer analytical with I'm shopping at this distributor because they're the cheapest price. I'm shopping at this distributor because they're the best distributor in my area. That's where distributors can often shine, right? Because they do have the expertise where you don't often find that at maybe a national or maybe your local retailer. The distributors are, are invested in building the skill set and the expertise of their teams. And it's something that really differentiates them at a local level. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, I think just going, <laughs> Brendan, back to the DeWalt manual example, I know exactly where my manuals are in my tool bench or in my file cabinet. And I never go back to them. I always pull my phone out and type in to a Google search, and usually Home Home Depot is also uh, a, a recurring resource site for me, not just a shopping experience, as much as my wife also hates that. <laughs> uh, I will not name how many tools I have that I don't use on a regular basis. But with that, it's the, the true aspect of, I know they have all those extra resources, and it's a it's almost a comfort level for me that because I know they have them, Sometimes I'll just go on there to look directly versus the Google search, but they also come up in the Google search because I also visit them. And mm-hmm. and so I think it's just important to your point that these resource libraries are based off product information and you can share those resources between both the product detail pages and your marketing content pages, which is what resource sections really are. It's a marketing content section for that continued exposure and credibility of really bringing that loyalty aspect back into play here. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things too, that the tenure at these companies is you have salespeople that have been with the company for 30 years. One of my clients, one of my contacts, he's been the working at this distributor for 50 years now, started as a stock guy. And now he's the VP. Like that is the career path for, for most of the people in the industry. And when we're trying to get a website set up that is going to reassure them that, hey, you still have your salesperson, but all of these resources are going to be on the website. And especially internally, that salesperson is going to retire eventually. Mm-hmm. That product data needs that to be there. That UX needs to be there after he retires or she retires because that is the the next generation. Yeah. it's It's one of those pieces to where... 50 years experience, a website will never beat, but a website will be around longer than that guy with 50 years experience. Yeah. 
So as we think about just where overall we see the the AD solution, and there was a phrase here that I, I'm going to make sure that I, I read directly from my notes because I will always stumble over it, the many-to-one-to-many to many solution. Because I'm so used to saying many-to-one or one-to-many, but the many-to-one-to-many. Many-to-one-to-many. Many-to-one-to-many solution. Let's, let's just explain that a bit more of, of what that really means and how that came to play in the, the space. Sure. Well, it, it's very similar to the AD value proposition that we have in the market where we work with suppliers and independent distributors. Here, we're just, we're talking about product content and electrical product content. So we work with thousands of suppliers. Uh, we work with their data managers and we bring in that raw supplier data, which if ingested directly to a member, an independent distributor would have to go out to all of those suppliers, receive the data on a timely basis, compare it to what they already have live, understand what needs to be changed and what's new, and then do it all over again a couple months later for thousands of suppliers. Plus put it in the right category and normalize it. And that's a lot of work, right? So we look to make the process more efficient, right? So we firmly believe in the independent distribution channel. And one way that AD can make an impact, which is aligned with who AD is at our foundation is really connecting suppliers and distributors. So we work with many suppliers to bring, bring their product data into one member PIM. And then we allow members to then use that content in their ERP and on their website. So it's the many to one to many model. Wonderful. Thanks for walking us through that, Caroline. As we kind of near our, 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 our ideal mark of ending a podcast so that all of our listeners understand our, how we value your time. I just want to make sure that we leave a little bit of time for a, a little bit of prediction, but I, I want to talk about just another area right before we jump into that. And really it stems in from with product merchandising, what is your in stock versus drop ship positioning and how do you incorporate high inventory volume with gross margin? So do you want to boost your search over certain things? And we talked about how we can let this rich information really benefit the search experience. How's that come into play with regards to those areas of product merchandising overall? When a independent distributor is looking at their overall product mix and where they get the greatest gross margin, they have the highest inventory, they have a high speed to ship so that the end customer is is more greatly satisfied, they can prioritize that by what's called boosting or burying in the search. So oftentimes your e-commerce platform has the ability to optimize different criteria to be able to show certain criteria over other criteria. One of the offerings that AD provides is we have certain criteria within the product SKU that can help influence the uh, overall search process, like identifying if the product is from an AD supplier. So there's certain things when we think about, I talked about that foundational content, once you've got the product data right, then you can start to explore how you can differentiate it to get at an additional sales lift. 
but you have to start with getting the foundational content right and then look at where you can can optimize the entire experience both in on-site search as well as with advanced content such as you know cad and bim images or 360 spin images things that will provide additional sales lift on the product detail page and with that sales lift, and, and Brendan, I'm going to direct this one to you, that product merchandising, the boost and bearing that Caroline mentioned, those are all strategic efforts that can be put into play, not just across your site as a whole, but you can actually target specific people with those boosts and berries, right? You can really optimize the search experience by knowing the individual or the region that someone's coming in from, correct? Yeah, and and especially in this sector, I mean, it it's a game of velocity, low margins, high volume. You know, that's what's keeping you successful. And every single uh, region, every single branch, even can have very separate popular products. You know, a lot of the times we go into our strategies, and and we consult, and and our number one commandment is the eighty twenty rule. You know, we know that eighty percent of your revenue is generated by twenty percent of the products. Mm-hmm. The problem when we're dealing in this sector is those top 20 products at one branch aren't even on the list at another branch just because it's across such a large region. So to be able to not only identify the 80-20 rule online versus offline, but even location to location, it, it really gives that flexibility. And identifying those products, being able to have those preferred brands called out, to have the the preferred ones, you're the ones that you have in stock, out of stock or special order, because again, it's a game of velocity. It's going to be quicker to get invoice. It's going to be quicker to get the customer their product by selling them the version of the product that you carry mm-hmm. rather than telling them, hey, we're two weeks out with a drop ship. So all of those pieces incorporated seamlessly into the UX to where the customer doesn't even know that. The customer doesn't know that the special order products have been buried and your stock products are readily available, or your preferred vendor. Uh, again, calling out DeWalt is always going to be boosted over Milwaukee. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's those aspects that you want to be able to control, but more importantly, you don't want anyone to notice it. Yeah. You know, it, it's the number one goal is anyone f- seeing that occur, it's going to slow down that process. So... Wonderful. Yeah. And and there's some aspects there. We've had the word seamless, consistent, flexible, and rigid. So we've had some great just keywords throughout this podcast. I had had my bingo sheet. I didn't hit it yet. I mean, you know, I'm just, at least you were a DeWalt fan, not a rigid fan. (laughs) So, you know, we got, we got, we got the right tool set here for uh, at least the two of us. Um, Overall, as we look to uh, just kind of close out the show today, I do want to ask my favorite question, right? We've talked a lot about where things were where uh, in the past, what the present has been of what people are focusing on now. But let's talk a little bit more about the future. And obviously, some of the capabilities like Boost and Barry and other things are out there. More organizations are starting to implement more advanced search, enterprise search experiences. Where is all this in three to five years? Uh, I have to give the range because five years is everyone's going to be in the metaverse, according to Mark Zuckerberg. But overall, uh, where where do we see this? And, and I'll start with Caroline and then we'll have Brendan give his thoughts. But where does all of this transpire and how does it transform? What's that experience like in three to five years? So I'll always 
go back to, it's, it starts with the customers that you're serving. It starts with enabling, and I began the conversation talking about enabling customer transitions. Um, if, you're, if you're meeting member ne or customer needs, then you are building for the future and you're helping to bring them into the future with you. Um, in addition to ensuring that you are your customer centric, you understand how they think and how they feel and meeting their, their buying needs, then it's doing that in a operationally efficient manner, using automation when you can. Um, we're moving towards AD, towards more system to system, integrating more machine learning into our content building process. And we're, we're at the beginning. So three years from now, I'd love to see that this was a, a truly modern technology workflow where we're looking at more you know, connected systems and that they're driving the overall experience while keeping the humans, the customers at the center. Wonderful. I'm excited to hear how Brendan follows that. I think, I think we're in the age of David. The age of David being David versus Goliath. Mm. In the past 10 years, you needed to be an international company. You needed to be a nationwide company, a billion-dollar company, to bring all of those specific and special requirements and key, let's call them tweaks, that the B2B market has and automate that online. In the next three to five years, this is where all the small and mid-market companies will get to compete. Because all you need is the effort put in and the plan to have good, consistent information, to have that foundation built on, a, on good technology stacks, you know, and, and being prepared and having the right roadmap to scale. This is where, this is where startup companies can thrive. Mm -hmm. you know, this, is, this is the time where all you need is that slingshot and the right shot, and you'll be taken on the big boys. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really confident in the fact that if, we, if you get your team's buy-in and, and you get that budget set properly and you have that foresight, you know, the sky's the limit. This is where growth potential happens because the people right now that are getting into the managerial purchasing positions, the people getting into those executive buyer roles are the ones that grew up with Amazon, mm -hmm. that grew up buying things without ever talking to anyone. And in the next five years, the people that grew up in that are going to be the executive VPs and the C-levels. And they'll really be making the decisions based on how good is their website. Mm -hmm. And that's how we'll evaluate if we're going to continue being a customer. So with the right, with the right foresight and planning, I think this is the age where you could see a lot of people just growing wildly if they do it right. Wow. All right. Words of wisdom from Caroline at AD and Brendan Cameron from AmericanEagle.com here on Lessons for Tomorrow. Uh, I do want to give a little special announcement that there may be a future announcement about a uh, after hours special with some advanced content that we are planning for Q1 with Caroline and Brendan. And so stay tuned, follow us on social and everything to hear about when that episode may drop. Uh, it'll be a surprise one, not in our normal cadence. So just uh, listeners beware. 
with that, I want to thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a specific topic or to submit feedback, please email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Also, if you wouldn't mind following this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us, we would greatly appreciate that, along with a rating if you would so kindly provide it in whatever podcast tool you use to listen to us. Also, if you don't mind sharing it with others to prepare them for the future, we would love additional sharing about the lessons for tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius. And I'll catch you in the next lesson.